Hello, and welcome to Over the Edge. This episode features an interview between Bill Pfeiffer and Dan Cummins, Dell Technologies Fellow and VP of Edge Computing. Dan has spent time understanding the challenges that customers face at the edge and working to create a viable solution. He dives into the process and thoughts behind building Native Edge, an edge operation software platform from Dell built to manage edge devices across use cases and verticals. He and Bill discuss the current challenges, the opportunities, and the future of edge technologies. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsors. Over the Edge is brought to you by Dell Technologies to unlock the potential of your infrastructure with edge solutions. From hardware and software to data and operations, across your entire multi-cloud environment, we're here to help you simplify your edge so that you can generate more value. Learn more by visiting dell.com slash edge for more information or click on the link in the show notes. And now please enjoy this interview between Bill Pfeiffer and Dan Cummins, Dell Technologies Fellow and VP of Edge Computing. So Dan, thanks for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. This should be a, a fun conversation. Always best to start with a little bit of history. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in technology? So how did my career get started? Technology internships growing up. My mother worked for Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. My father was in the service, in the Navy in particular. I spent many of summers working in as a summer intern for Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, developing Fortran programs on a, on a VAX cluster for a statistician. And then later I won a, or was awarded a position on a contract called the Darwin program from the University of Rhode Island College of Engineering through the Naval Undersea Warfare Center. So I worked 20 hours a week while I was in school, working at the Naval Undersea Warfare Center, developing defense electronics, tactical warfare systems, and things like that. And shortly after school, I took a full-time job there and then ended up immigrating north to Boston, again, working in defense electronics before moving over to Digital Equipment Corporation on the commercial side. Uh, and then it kind of just took off from there. So I love it. You actually started as an intern at the Naval Undersea Warfare Center. I actually spent a summer interning at the Naval Air Warfare Center. <laughs> outside of Philadelphia, which is kind of fun. So what kind of technologies did you work on at the Undersea Warfare Center? And what did you learn from it? Well, I worked mostly in embedded systems, single board computers. I remember I was developing data acquisition systems and control systems on single board computers using an embedded operating system called PSOS. But that was combined with user-level application software on a Unix system running X windows where I would develop display software and things like that. So it was mostly embedded systems, like Unix software. Yep. Okay. And then from there you got into overall data center, hardware, architecture, design. What brought you into Dell? What was that path? Oh, the path to Dell. So through the early part of my career growing up, I kind of stayed with defense electronics until finally I got out of the defense electronics and went to go work for a company called Digital Equipment Corporation, which is another famous company. And there I was writing device drivers for laptops. I worked for the port division that was later acquired by Compaq. But then after that, I kind of moved to a startup with a bunch of people that I used to work with at Digital Equipment Corporation. And there... We were developing a consumer grade whole home 
video in, in audio products, right? The big innovation there was a multi-room DVR product. Then later I went to a company called SeaChange, which was on the other side of video delivery, which was on the data center side where they were Comcast's largest customer developing media systems, clustered media systems that were delivering video on demand over cable networks. So I worked there for probably about seven years. And we got into all sorts of things there, whether it was storage systems or there was clustering systems. A little well-known fact, I worked on the team that gave Mellanox their very first purchase order for InfiniBand. So that's <laughs> kind of interesting. From there, I knew some of the folks that I worked with at Digital and, and at Sea Change had gone over to EMC. And they gave me a call and basically said, hey, we have some challenges over here and we could use your leadership and could you come over and help us? Sea Change at the time was going to stay, its video delivery was really going to stay over broadband cable networks. And, you know, I could clearly see that the future was going to be HCTP over the top media streaming, which is dominant today, right? So it was very easy for me at that time to, to move over to EMC and apply all of my knowledge right, to help EMC in the mid-range storage business transform their mid-range business, starting with BNX2 in their multi-core transformation. So I led all of that, but that's what got me over into EMC and data center. And then from there, obviously Dell acquired EMC. So you were doing streaming video way back in the day before it was streaming video. And that was kind of the distributed view of things. And then you came to Dell and did some data center type storage. And now you're working in the edge. What prompted that move? And what have you, I mean, what's, what's the evolution of data centers out to the edge? And what have you learned along that way? Well, the thing that really prompted it and why I said, yeah, absolutely, is because I saw the opportunity of, in the growth of the data that's happening at the edge mm -hmm. and knew that there were opportunities for Dell to play a larger part there. I knew that there was a massive opportunity here. I also knew that giving my experience and through my career history, given both working in consumer, commercial, defense electronics, and other businesses in technology areas, that I was a really good fit, right? Because I had experience in, in many of the technology areas that, that Edge had. Matter of fact, when I was working for the New Wonder Sea Warfare Center, we were, you know, developing systems using artificial intelligence and machine learning as early as 1999. So it comes full circle. And now if you listen to, okay, what's important today? Well, primary motivator for computer vision is, is AI inferencing and proliferate of all the IOT sensors at the edge generating that data so that you can generate value near the point of data generation, right? Yeah. It's kind of funny how often in technology we see these infrastructure cycles and process cycles and it feels like the edge is bigger than just one of those cycles, but kind of ties into several of them. It's interesting to see all the things that come together there. Yeah, it's kind of like the same kind of technology patterns. I mean, the technology changes, but the same fundamental computer science concepts kind of remain constant, right? Mm -hmm. I think the only thing that, that has really changed or has evolved is everything around AI and generative AI, right? which is nice to see, but fundamentally from a systems perspective, you're solving kind of the same problems over and over again, but that's just with a better technology. Yep. So speaking of solving problems right now, you're the chief architect of native edge here at Dell, which just got announced a couple of days ago. Can you talk us through the evolution of the edge and 
how that pointed you to the need for a horizontal platform, where that fits in that whole solution set. Uh, yeah. So, well, there was a lot of research that basically pointed to the fact that there needed to be, you know, a control point and that there needs to be consolidation of application runtimes and other services in order to be successful and to reduce the complexity at the edge. So the strategy when I first came in was really to develop verticalized solutions, to have Dell package ISV software with hardware and deliver that into the different edge verticals. And then secondly, to optimize our infrastructure portfolio to better meet the needs of these edge solutions. When I took a look at the initial research, I started delving into a lot of just kind of understanding the different solutions and the challenges that customers faced in, in each of these verticals. And there were some common themes. So as I was looking at this, I came up with kind of these eight constraints at the edge, security, simplified management, connectivity, cost, multi-cloud, scale, scale is much different at the edge. And then some internal things, OEM readiness, if Dell is going to enter the edge, we wanted to be able to OEM the products and as well as help customers information. And we realized that given all these constraints and these challenges, because you are outside the walls of an IT data center, that things were different at the edge because of where the infrastructure is deployed in remote locations, the type of personas that are out there. We said, the fragmentation, the same solution could be implemented 10 or 20 different ways. The person who buys, the person who installs it, the person who maintains it, they could be all different people. So we know that it's highly fragmented. It's highly complex. We also know that we've got a great portfolio of products and services that we can apply to help customers with their outcomes. But we really need a software platform that tied it all together to simplify all these use cases. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of how it came about. Okay. So I know you had a lot of customer conversations and at least one of those customers was kind of pointing toward, you could build the software that's the overlay that pulls all of these things together. How many of those conversations were customers like on point with understanding these constraints and the need for that horizontal platform? And how much were they looking for ways to solve their problems? How much do our customers really understand the direction that we're headed now and how much is, is the market still trying to figure out? Well, it's kind of funny. It's like kind of one of those implicit things. So it depends on, well, let me back up. Let me say this. In every single industry vertical that we've seen today, there is a similar approach to the horizontal platform, but it's proprietary. For example, we find people in manufacturing, there are companies out there that are developing these orchestration platforms. They don't go as far as Native Edge goes, right? And they're not tackling all the things, but they exist. They exist in one form or the other. And it points to a real need, a real challenge. I remember talking to one of our major oil customers and I brought them through the entire constraints in the story behind Native Edge. And I said, this is how we can simplify and secure and lifecycle manager infrastructures is how you can focus on your outcomes, right? Mm -hmm. And we could take all that off for you. And when I went through that, it was a drop, drop the mic moment. They're like, that's absolutely what we need. <laughs> because there wasn't that full horizontal platform in the market that combines secure lifecycle management of infrastructure 
with a full multi-cloud integrated orchestrated software platform that can deliver those complex solutions across the edge of the core in the cloud, they were building their own. Okay. So, so it's a problem that's sort of being solved out there in the market, but in kind of dribs and drabs and smaller pieces and corner cases and not really something that works across all of the different solutions that customers need. So they end up with multiple of them, I presume. Or across all the verticals. A lot of them are very vertical specific. Like you'd find certain orchestration use cases and lifecycle management use cases that are specific to retail or specific to manufacturing or specific to automotive, right? And there's technology, there's different technologies that are born out of, out of all of these. Like a good example would be automotive. Right. The connected car today by secure over the air updates. The Department of Homeland Security came out with a recommendation. And next thing you know, the industry responds with a software protocol, a secure software protocol for delivering over the air updates to vehicles. Wow. That's an example of an edge specific technology that was born out of the need to orchestrate edge compute. Because, you know, if you think about it, solving for the edge is really solving for distributed computing. And then you need to understand the constraints on each of those locations based on the vertical that you're in. Like your far edge network or your OT network is different. Like in manufacturing, you may have an OT network in, in a hospital, right? They've got kind of a patient network. So right, right. there's different constraints that you have to deal with, different protocols that you have to deal with, different processes that you have to deal with. You have to understand all those. So there was no one single platform that kind of solved broadly across all of these with an open ecosystem and applying edge-specific technology to solve for these constraints. A great example I like to use is how we've completely modernized day zero and day one, meaning that since we own the supply chain, we have the ability to be able to securely initialize our devices in manufacturing such that we can cryptographically transfer ownership, improve and attest these devices when they're powered on. One of the challenges you have at Edge is infrastructure is deployed outside the walls of an IT data center. They can be tampered with. Right. right. Intel was on the run track back in 2016 when they came out with something called secure device onboarding. That kind of went part of the way, right, to help solve this problem. It was later adopted and given to the FIDO Alliance. And the FIDO Alliance extended it and added late binding to it. Well, the way that we're deploying infrastructure from behind firewalls in remote locations, combining that with zero touch provisioning enables a seamless, secure experience for delivering and provisioning infrastructure at scale in parallel outside the walls of an IT data center. Now, it just so happens that this technology can also apply to IT. However, the IT techniques they use today for the infrastructure provisioning don't necessarily fit at the edge. They don't have the same security. They don't have the same scalability. They don't have the same ease of use. So that, that's a good example. And so native edge is really, it really solves for edge constraints first. So it's, it's like what we call an edge in solution versus a cloud out solution. Because the other thing that we find out in the industry is that people that are developing these horizontal type solutions, I really take an IT approach first or a cloud first first approach. And it does, it's like fitting a square peg through a round hole, right? It just doesn't fit. But native edge is different. And that's why it's different is because it's leveraging edge first techniques to solve for these constraints. 
Can you talk a little bit more about why that cloud out approach doesn't fit for the edge versus an edge in to get a little more granular about what those differences are? Yeah. So, well, first off, a cloud out approach assumes that somebody is managing the infrastructure behind the scenes. In the edge, you have infrastructure that is deployed outside of a cloud data center or outside of a data center, but in a remote location or in a location that doesn't have people with IT skill sets. And so if you think about how do you service that, how do you provision it? Those are different because you're constrained by operational constraints. You're constrained by skill set constraints. You're constrained by environmental constraints, thus moisture, vibration, temperature. You get operational constraints, like in terms of like who can operate on it. So that's just an example. So in order to solve for those, you need to really be thinking about who's going to be touching the, the hardware. How do you deliver the hardware? How do you upgrade the hardware? How do you orchestrate the software with people with little to no IT skill sets in places that may not be accessible, right? Which is very different than a data center. And it's very different than like a hyperscaler. So that's, that's from kind of a lifecycle management perspective. From a cloud out management perspective, a lot of what the hyperscalers are doing is they're extending their reach down into these edge locations where they're standing up their cloud stacks and they're kind of monetizing it through their, their cloud. That can get very expensive. And some of the challenges that we see with our customers is that they're looking to avoid the cost of centralization. So that's why another reason they want more compute and more delivery of compute and services outside of the core data center or outside of the cloud closer to where the data is generated. So kind of ballpark the cloud out. One of the problems that you're seeing is the cloud loosely assumes that compute is there, which is kind of one of the fundamental tenets of cloud, right? If, if you need more compute within your cloud space, just provision more compute that you don't have to think about the hardware. But then on the edge, we're talking about hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of locations where you have to put the compute and they don't necessarily have an answer for that built into their solution. Yeah, it needs to be managed. And even supply chain, like how do I deliver it? You know, Dell has supply depots all around the world and we can get the you know, infrastructure out to you pretty quickly, but you, you nailed it. So there's a cloud-like software experience. Like I want to, you know, on my elastic compute or elastic storage and things like that. So they're kind of reducing OPEX that way. We can stand up those cloud stacks at the edge, but what you can't do and what's different is how do you actually service and manage those estates? That's what's different. So you've talked through a whole series of problems at the edge that are not simple to solve. And some of them we talked a little bit about how you solve them, but how do you get that all together into a net new operations platform from scratch? Can you talk us through the process? I mean, I'm sure there's some iterations and some failures along the way, probably some funny stories, maybe some inappropriate stories. Don't tell those. But can you talk us through what that process of building it looks like? How did you decide what was working, what wasn't working? How did you iterate for that? And how did you pull it all together into one thing? Yeah. Well, first off, we're still building it. Okay. So this is the first, we have a full North Star vision that we need to get to implementing, right? And implementing in a large company, trying to kick the innovator's dilemma is a challenge. However, myself and a few others on the leadership team have done this multiple times before within a big company. 
So we have proven lead. But to answer the question about developing this from the ground up or from scratch, it's not completely the concepts in the architecture were built not by just laying something down on pieces of paper or into slide. We actually sat down and we thought about and had the conversations with the customers and found out what their real problems were and what was common across all these industry verticals. We mapped that to where can Dell add value? And that's how we arrived at, hey, we need to do this horizontal platform approach. So then it was just taking a look at constraints and I ended up hiring a team of architects that I worked with very closely and put together the high-level architecture before we even hired the development teams and convinced ourselves by introducing that to customers in calls and got wide-scale acceptance of that. After that, we started hiring development teams and we started with the hello world type application. But the very first thing that we went after was secure onboarding. So as we were developing the first version of Native Edge, we knew that the toughest challenge that we would have was that FIDO device onboarding because it required us to modify manufacturing processes and also engage other parts of Dell to develop other services that Dell could offer and also change the ordering in the manufacturing process. I mean, that's a big deal. So that took a bulk of our time and that's no small feat. So anybody that's looking to develop a secure onboarding strategy will have to go through the same thing. But we've done it. We focus on that. We also, for the first release, as we were building teams up, of course, we've got a global worldwide team. We got teams in Singapore. We got teams in India. We got teams in Israel. We got teams in the United States, right? So it's a global team. So of course, there's always some challenges getting everybody aligned and keeping even though we have an agile development model, it's still very challenging across these time zones, right? To keep everybody aligned because your most senior people aren't there necessarily day to day to, to help guide. So that was always a challenge. But one thing that did happen was we knew that the two major pieces to the platform was one was secure lifecycle management and secure operating. And the second was really around service orchestration, the ability to be able to take an outcome like overall equipment effectiveness or one of your computer vision use cases and simplify the creation of that solution. And then to be able to break that solution down and orchestrate the piece parts across the edge of the corn, the clouds. And it has to be multi-cloud, right? Not just one cloud. I mentioned before that we were vendor neutral and cloud neutral. In order to orchestrate these outcomes and reduce this fragmentation and salarization, we wanted an open system that could orchestrate across these locations. And it's going to take us a long time to develop all of those plugins and orchestrations across these environments. So we went out and we said, okay, where can we find a company, either partner with them or acquire them that could help us facilitate this or accelerate this vision? And of course, it was well known that we went and purchased a company called Cloudify. We also purchased another smaller company called Mist to bring that talent and that expertise into our team, as well as code that we could leverage that we could accelerate Native Edge's development. So that was kind of the process, right? It still continues today. One of the advantages of a company like Dell is the massive resources that we do have and our global presence and the ability to tap into these this talent that's all around the world. Pretty exciting. Very cool. A glimpse into Dan's brain and how it works. <laughs> So you mentioned multi-cloud there, just kind of briefly. 
What's the connection between edge and multi-cloud? Are they tightly connected, loosely connected? How do they connect to one another? What does that look like? Well, many of your modern applications are going to be microservices, cloud-based type applications or leveraging services that are in the cloud. I would say today, if you're looking at AIML, most of the training today is still done in the clouds, right? They've got all of your services available that make it very simple to train models. And then they also have inferencing servers and frameworks that allow you to push those models out to the edge. Now, not everybody is going to be using just one cloud. They're going to be using services or deploying applications to multiple clouds. One interesting stat that we have is that with all the customers that we talk to, on average, they have an investment in all three major hyperscalers, AWS, Google, and Azure. And they're using best-of-breed services for their outcomes. So a lot of customers have solutions and services that are based on all three or part of all three, right? So that's the connection to the edge, right? So anything that's long-term post-processing or batch processing, there's a lot of services that are in the cloud today. Now, some customers are also using some of the, the extended services from the cloud, whether that's Azure or whether that's an AWS Outpost, for example. But each of the solutions also offer things like managed Kubernetes services or stacks that can be deployed in a local data center. And so you would need to, you have to have a system that can integrate into each of these cloud services or cloud locations. Right? whether it's public cloud or private cloud. So that's just it. I mean, it's kind of black and white, right? We need to be able to orchestrate across all of those environments. What are some of the challenges with that? I mean, orchestrating across the edge, which has all these different constraints and hundreds, thousands, or more locations, clouds that are owned by different companies and have different services available, how do you think in terms of orchestrating across all of those different places and types of operational methodologies? Well, everything's API driven these days and you use it as an API gateway. You know, so if I'm talking to a vSphere cluster, you know, I can talk through a vCenter as long as I have the credentials or I can have an API token from AWS. I can use EKS CTL, for example, to talk through its API. There are pretty well-known ways to set up VPCs between your cloud and your location, but mostly it's going to be orchestrating through their APIs into those environments. You know, take a look at Kubernetes, for example, right? Whether it's a managed Kubernetes or it's a bare metal Kubernetes that's in a data center or even an edge location, there's one way to orchestrate the Kubernetes. And that's the, the nice thing about Kubernetes, kind of democratizing compute. You can extend it using Kubernetes operators. It's just a lot of work, right? But in general, everything is orchestrated across these clouds. Now, the complexity is how do I simplify an outcome? Well, let's talk about an outcome, right? So an outcome for edge is like an edge application. So if I were talking about a computer vision application, pick one, right? There's going to be an inferencing server that needs to get deployed at the edge. There's going to be a more than likely a cloud-based service for your training. And there could be some other services in the data center. So how do you describe that in a declarative way and then have that orchestrated? So our vision here was to simplify all of that to a concept called blueprints. So I can create a solution blueprint and I can specify 
all of the cloud services that I need. I can specify the applications and the runtimes that I need. I can specify the SLAs for those applications. I can target them to specific nodes or locations to deploy. But that recipe, right, that deployment recipe is a templated pattern that I can then now use to create a deployment and deploy it across this distributed computing estate, which includes both computing locations that are looking at the edge, the data center or colo and cloud, right? And it's, that's where the complexity is, right? But orchestrating into clouds or from clouds to, to edge, I mean, those are kind of well-known things today, but somebody who could pull it all together using some sort of workflow engine that is, uh, allows you to recover from that, right? And manage that complexity to really make it simple. That's the key. And that's what we're doing with Native Edge. So by addressing the constraints at the edge and then adding these API connections on top of it, you've effectively integrated edge into the multi-cloud and the North Star vision sounds like loosely solved a lot of the challenges of multi-cloud, actually delivered real multi-cloud as opposed to we have one cloud and another cloud, which is sort of multiple clouds, but not multi-cloud. We talk about being able to orchestrate services across multiple clouds, right? So we can certainly do that. What we can also do is orchestrate the deployment of a cloud stack, private cloud stack. So it becomes very powerful. So now you put the power into the system integrator's hands or the customer's or development team's hands where they have the ability to now be able to compose different solutions for their businesses or their customers and to be able to offer those and operate those simply. But it sounds like, I mean, more than just deploying services across multiple clouds, you're using blueprints to define, here's what my workload should do. Mm -hmm. And then deploying the workload, which is more what businesses care about, right? They don't necessarily care about one cloud versus another cloud versus an edge location, where your compute sits necessarily. They just want their stuff to work the way they intended it to work. And we're kind of moving toward that, which is really cool. It's an impressive, it's an impressive challenge to solve through a platform, but it makes sense, right? A horizontal platform reaches across into all the things that it touches. Yeah. In my career, I have the saying, right? Do more with less easily. That's how you're going to win. And Dell is in the perfect position to do that for our customers and to give for the edge, right? If you think about it, we have a fundamental right to win the edge. Right. We own the, the supply chain. We're number one in almost every category. We know how to service both consumer as well as commercial enterprise customers. And customers want to be in business with companies like Dell that have their back, right? That have the, the ability to be able to help them long-term. And not only with their edge complexity, but with other parts of their business as well. I mean, these are the reasons why it makes sense that a company like Dell will be very successful here at the edge. So what other problems or gaps do you see in edge technology that need to be tackled still? Either through this platform, through other platforms, what do you see as a fundamental challenge that the edge needs to evolve to address? The biggest challenge I think right now still is many of the applications that are out there today are still monolithic Windows applications. And customers need to go through that digital transformation, both hardware and software, so that they have the flexibility. Now, what we find out is that customers are not transforming their existing software, right? But they're writing that new. And so I think there's still a challenge out there today, but from a technology perspective, 
I think obviously the impact of Gen AI, I think maturity in silicon diversity and edge optimized infrastructure, the growth of computing devices continues to grow at an exponential scale. My prediction is that the growth of IoT devices and, and edge locations that are servicing data from these IoT devices, the compute at these locations in aggregate is going to pretty shortly outnumber the number of devices that are in the data center in the clouds. So you talk about scale. So really, if you think about the constraints at the edge, power constraints, right? The environmental constraints, right? For edge optimized infrastructure, getting smaller, more capable devices and pushing inferencing out further and further to the IoT device is maturing is still going to happen. So there's plenty of opportunity there. And on the flip side, mm -hmm. generative AI and large language models, things like that, how do you apply those and prompt engineering to facilitate simplifying your operational overhead for your solutions? And it's very complex to create a blueprint, for example, but I can use an AI to help facilitate creating that blueprint and ultimately deploying that, right? There's lots of opportunities for technology. I mean, it's, it's kind of wide and broad, right? I mean, there's advancement in like private wireless and 5G. It still needs to, mm -hmm. yep. to proliferate. So telecommunications or private wireless, there's quite a bit actually that needs to mature. You mentioned silicon diversity and that that's kind of a fascinating conversation, right? We, with all the virtualization, everything moved on to x86 hardware. So it was nice and simple, but now we're talking about silicon diversity where we're going to get hyper-specialized chips that do a particular thing really, really well at very low power or very high speed or both and AI specific chips and things like that. So this idea of pushing all of this compute out to the edge is manageable right now because it's x86 and you may have some GPUs to accelerate your AI or something like that, but it's relatively simple, straightforward, consistent hardware. Then when we get silicon diversity in there, do you think we're going to see an explosion of diversity of hardware out at the edge as well as in the core? Or is it going to be relatively more constrained to specialized locations like the core? Oh, no, absolutely. It's going to be a diversification of, you know, hardware specialization as more and more locations need to be automated or sensor data is collected. You know, it's kind of funny. So, you know, the general purpose processor, it was predicted. I, I remember I was in a Usenix conference back in, I think it was like 2014 or something like that where there was a professor from, I think it was Stanford, right? Where you got up and he predicted Moore's Law is dead, right? And the reason Moore's Law is dead is because of Denard scaling. You can't effectively scale power with transistor count to power up those transistors. Right, too much bleed through and such. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't have a refrigerator side, side's power supply in order to scale my transistors and the heat and, and the cost of that power. So, and that, that is true at the edge. So what, what that's leading to is, you know, move away from general purpose processors and chip manufacturers are moving to a centralized processor, but then with specialized offloads that are much more efficient transistor usage for those functions, like whether it's a DMA engine or, or a GPU, it's, it doesn't require the same amount of power for a general purpose processing pipeline. So the prediction there was, okay. All the chip vendors are going to start competing in kind of accelerators around the main CPU. And we're seeing that today. Mm -hmm. It absolutely came true. So if you look at the ARM SOCs, right? 
And so it's ARM core processors surrounded by a bunch of accelerators, right? So you're seeing that today, all to optimize power, right? Because you know that power can't scale with the transistors. So, but there's some tricks that people much smarter than I are doing to kind of continue along the line of, of attempting to continue along the line of more, of more, you know, growth, right? So, but at the edge where you need much less power, you need more performance. You're, you're seeing the rise of this SOC type processing architecture because of these reasons. And with the proliferation of more and more devices and sensors and the, the need to process data near that point of generation is also fueling the need for these, this silicon diversity, right? We're seeing uh, risk architectures now, ARM architectures, and of course the x86 architectures trying to address and go down to this space at the edge. Okay. So that's kind of brushing up against this next question, but looking forward, what excites you about the possibilities that the edge will generate? The thing that most excites me is the ability to federate your processing at these edge locations, right? I mean, the only way the world is going to scale is by federating this processing where the, where the data is being generated. The other thing that really excites me too is there's another thing that we haven't talked about yet is really the data activation or the data management that has to happen. Most edge workloads are a streaming workload, but somebody who's operating a business or an edge outcome needs a combination of both IT workloads and edge workloads. And you're going to need data management. And if you're going to deal with this scale where all this data is being generated by these devices and you want to reduce the cost of centralization, I don't want to have to pull all this stuff up into a cloud or a data center in order to process it. I want the ability to be able to locate my, where my data is federated at my edge sites and to be able to intelligently distribute compute to where that data exists and to generate value from that data there that way. That way I can avoid the infrastructure sprawl cost, right? And the cost of central thing. That's what really excites me. It's a combination of, say, like, a data management platform that's using a distributed ledger, right? With a MLOps platform, right? Because now I can, I can understand where all of my data that I need for training is at the edge. And then rather than dragging all that up into the cloud, I can distribute now, I can federate training to those locations because now I know how to find the data. So tracking and finding data and transforming this data and moving this data to where it makes sense to reduce that cost of centralization and to improve your economy for being able to operate on that data. And I think is what probably most excites me. So the thing that I, the thing that kind of tweaks me about the edge is it's where so many things are coming together, right? Most of our conversation was about how do we get compute to the edge and how do we get workloads to the compute wherever that happens to sit. But then there's also the whole AI conversation, the whole data management conversation. That's yeah. not to say anything of the application development and the business transformation that has to happen to use all of that data and let the automation happen. And it's a fascinating space. Yeah, I find it, I find it kind of like a layered cake, right? So first you have to have your, your secure infrastructure management, lifecycle management, and then you have to have your orchestration, right? Your service orchestration across these edge computing locations, be able to manage that you know, estate. And then now you can start to add additional value across these estates, right? To further deepen the value that you can generate at the edge. And what do you see that doing in terms of impact on business and society as a whole, near-term and long-term? Oh, near-term. Well, certainly the federation of compute 
will enable faster time to value for businesses for sure. Inferencing computer vision use cases is, is a great location, right? Improving the quality, the ability to deliver products with higher quality to customers faster is really what it comes down to as is one such example, but it will also hasten the rate of innovation because anytime you can federate computing or scale computing, you're going to simplify a lot of processes. You're going to generate a lot of value at the edge and therefore you'll be able to innovate faster. So we'll see an acceleration in the evolution of technologies, products, and services is what we're going to see. Yeah, I guess that's what it's really all about is how we innovate faster and how we drive the world forward, help the world drive forward. What is it that Michael Dell says? He says um, that our mission is to drive human progress. Yeah. So if you think about it, it's true to, to Michael Dell's slogan, right? That we're a company here to drive human progress, right? Because that's exactly what it's going to do. Yeah, kind of fascinating that it all comes into one conversation like this. I love it. Well, that's, yeah, kind of what it's all about. Yep, it's a big conversation, but interesting. So how can people find you online and learn more about your work? Well, people can always look me up on LinkedIn. So that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. All right. Cool. All right. Love it. Thanks so much for joining us today. And I appreciate the time and the, the glimpses into your mind and your processes. You've got some interesting challenges ahead of you, but it sounds like you've laid the right foundations. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. That does it for this episode of Over the Edge. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a rating and a review and tell a friend. Over the Edge is made possible through the generous sponsorship of our partners at Dell Technologies. Simplify your edge so you can generate more value. Learn more by visiting dell.com slash edge.